Well, that was the opening music to The Hound of the Baskervilles, released in 1939 and starring Basil Rathbone, who is our featured actor for this series. Uh, we're going to be doing some of his movies. And uh, it also stars Richard Green, who I read went on to fame as Robin Hood in a TV series later in the 50s. Yeah. So that's mainly what he's known for. He's quite a handsome guy in this movie. Uh, Wendy Berry, who plays Beryl Stapleton, she was in quite a few movies. You're going to love this one. She also had her own television show in the early 1950s or late 1940s called a puppet show called Okie Dokie on, on Dumont Television, another one of those shows <laughs> that has been forever lost. <laughs> she did a lot of films with... Uh, the, the theme of uh, The Saint and Falcon, which I think were, were very popular. And uh, she, had a, she was huge on radio, did a lot of radio work. And Nigel Bruce, who, <laughs> uh, yes. he was great yes. as Dr. Watson. I saw, I looked at, I was reading about him and I saw his early pictures from like when he was in college. He looked athletic. He was I quite mean, he, the athlete. He was, I liked his take on, on Watson for sure. He was definitely one of the best that I've seen. Another movie um, that he's in that listeners might enjoy is a 1941 movie, Suspicion, a Cary Grant movie. And in that one, Nigel plays Beaky. His nickname is Beaky. <laughs> he's Gary, uh, Cary Grant's best friend. He plays Watson uh, opposite Basil Rathbone in all of the 20th century and universal Sherlock Holmes. So he he was there for all of those. And Lionel Atwell plays James Mortimer. He's back. He's back. <laughs> He's back. He's back. Yep. Once again, <laughs> overacting and full of himself. <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, that must have been his trademark, although he hit his peak in To Be or Not To Be when he played that. <laughs> that yeah, officer. for sure, for sure. And a very young-looking uh, John Carradine. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. right. He he was forgot about him. He was great as Berryman, uh, and his wife uh, Ellie uh, Malian uh, plays Mrs. Berryman. And that, what a couple, man! They, they look like they could be zombies living in that house out there on the moor. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> who knows? They may have been. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Fun film. So, so we're also going to be doing the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and that's up next. And uh, those were the two that 20th Century produced. And I, I feel like those two have really great production quality, great set design. Uh, you can tell they spent more money on them, I think, than the later Universal movies. I think so, yeah. They weren't turning them out quite as quickly. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classic movie reviews and uh yeah head over there and check it out you can support us help us defray some of the costs of the show and show your support for the show uh, we have a three dollar tier and with that you get bonus episodes and we're doing some other types of shows uh, of other classic media like old-time radio broadway television that kind of thing and i'm matt johnson coming to you from North Bend, where we have snow in the forecast this weekend, so it's going to get down to be pretty cold in the 20 degrees uh, Fahrenheit range. You'll have to break out your warm coat. 
Yeah. This is uh, Bob uh, Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews and <clears throat> The Hound of the Baskervilles from 1939, which on the American Film Institute recognition lists was nominated for several things. I'm not sure where they ended up. Heroes and Villains was one, and uh, in the mystery category was another uh, list was another one. <clears throat> I, I got so into this when I looked up how I asked the question, I love the internet for these things. How many Hound of the Baskerville films have been made? <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah, the first many? one was 1914. Wow. And they're, they're well over 20. They've been made in the U.S., the United Kingdom, Germany, Italy, India, uh, the Soviet Union. It's quite a list. Maybe we should do all 20. I think there are like 28 of them. Well, you can have a podcast just to review all the Hound of the Baskerville movies. There's one that I like. It's not it's not a great movie, but it's it's uh, kind of one of those movies that's like comfort food. And and I kind of feel like this this one is a little bit that way too. It came out in the '80s, and it stars Tom Baker, who was the Doctor Who. He was the fourth Doctor Who in the classic series, and after he finished playing Doctor Who, he did a few other things, and one was to play Sherlock Holmes in a Hound of the Baskervilles BBC uh, retelling, and it was a made-for-TV movie, but it's available on BritBox, and I think you can even find a copy on YouTube, uh, but it's kind of funny because the, they, they're running the credits at the beginning of that, and it, it shows Tom Baker as Sherlock Holmes, and then they cut to Baker Street, because that's where oh, you know, sure. Sherlock Holmes yeah. lives. Two twenty one B. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a little play on, little play on words there. But uh, I have not seen that. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And uh, but this version is definitely the best or one of the best that I've seen. And uh, in, in terms of a film adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes story, I, I uh, when you first were talking about another version, I thought you were going to mention the one from nineteen fifty nine with Peter Cushing and. Uh, Christopher Lee, which is another. Yes, it's a little. Uh, it's a little more uh, modern in terms of some of the scenes and some of the action, and uh, it's a, again a Hammer film. So there's lots of Technicolor and that kind of That's thing. That's a good one That's too. Good I, one. I I was watching that and I thought, you know, I feel like they should have reversed the roles. They should have had Peter Cushing as um, Baskerville and uh, uh, Christopher Lee as Sherlock Holmes. I thought that would have been a better... I, I would have liked to see Christopher Lee play Sherlock Holmes. He would have been excellent but, uh, for that. And I remember I was talking to yeah. you, we were talking, and I said, is is Peter Cushing really short? And it turns out, no, that P Christopher Lee is really tall. He's like 6'5", and uh, Peter Cushing is average height of 5'10", or 5'11", or something like that. <laughs> he just towered... Christopher Lee just towered over everybody else in the movie. <laughs> He was excellent in that. What? What? He was in films for a long time. He was, wasn't it? Yeah, was he, he was in, in the original. The Star Wars films? Uh, well, the the prequels, uh, episodes one and two. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think was he in the third one? Just at the beginning of the third one, Revenge of the Sith. I think he died at the in the first couple minutes of that one. Yeah. So this this film is is just a classic in my mind, and uh, sadly. Basil Rathbone does not have any sword fights no, in this No, unfortunately. One. However, he traded in his sword for a violin. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy could could cover a lot of ground. Watson didn't like the violin playing too much. He's like, 
had enough for that. Well, Holmes, what do you make of it? Do you think there's anything in it? Good heavens, you're not going to start scratching on that infernal thing, are you? Dear old Watson. It's true to the original Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stories. Watson, on the one hand, he, he says when he first met Sherlock Holmes, he was nervous about this violin playing, but then every once in a while, uh, Holmes would play something very beautiful and classic, and it would make up for all the times that he was just screeching on the violin. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we were remiss. We should have mentioned Robert Downey Jr. and Sherlock yeah. Oh, Holmes. and Benedict Those Cumberbatch. Those, yeah. that, series was yeah. really, that series was really good, too. Yeah, The Robert Downey Jr. one is, I think, more of an action movie. Those are more action movies than anything. It's like And, and Watson is every bit the equal. Oh, totally. Well, and also in the Benedict Cumberbatch version, uh, Watson is is uh, ex-military, I think. And well, I mean, he's ex-military in in the original stories too. Uh, but he was very strong character in both of those. I thought he was a good strong character in this movie too. I love the scene where he's trying to figure out who this other character is that's out on the moor and uh, this kind of old hermit, and he goes out to where the hermit was living and pretends to be Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes. That was kind of cool. Well, this movie, uh, let's see, I guess we should just kind of jump in. Uh, Sherlock and, and Watson are approached by our, our great actor, uh, I can't think of his name now, the one that overacts a bit, that uh, indicates that there's there's been some foul play up on the Baskervilles. On well, the it's Moore. Dr. Mortimer. Dr. Mortimer, yeah. thank you. Played by Lionel Atwell. And, and he asks uh, for the help of, of uh, Holmes and Watson. Before we could get at him, Sir Hugo was dead. His body literally torn to shreds. Such is the history of the Hound, that has cursed the Baskerville family ever since. Many having been unhappy in their deaths that have been sudden, violent, and mysterious. Well, Mr. Holmes. Interesting. Very interesting. What do you think? I don't know. But Sir Henry's arriving from Canada tomorrow. Please understand my dilemma, my responsibility. I was Sir Charles' best friend. My duty is to protect that boy. If I should take him down there to Baskerville Hall and anything happened to him... Now what I suggest, Dr. Mortimer, is that when Sir Henry arrives, you bring him here. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Holmes. You don't know what a load you've taken off my mind. And what I love about Sherlock Holmes is he's already deduced about 19 things about every character just by how they are and what they wear. And in this case, they have a quite a feature on his, I think, umbrella or cane. Oh, Mr. Holmes, while you were out, a gentleman called to see you and left this. He asked you to give it to me? Oh, no, sir. He just left it by mistake, I imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Mortimer? He didn't leave his name, sir. No, it's here on the stick, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, is it? I didn't notice. Do you know any Dr. Mortimer, Watson? Well, what did he want? He didn't say, sir. What do you make of it, Watson? Why should I make anything of it? The fellow came to see you. Ah, but what kind of a fellow? Let me hear you reconstruct him from his walking stick by our usual method of elementary observation. Well, I should say that Dr. Mortimer is a successful man. Well esteemed. Good. Excellent. I should say that he does a great deal of his visiting on foot, because the iron ferrule is, is worn down. Perfectly sound. Now, let's have a look at this inscription. From his friends of the CCH. CCH. 
I should say that's the something or other hunt. Watson goes on and on. And <laughs> there's a line. Really, Watson, you've excelled yourself. Oh, has anything escaped me? Almost everything, my dear fellow. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> but that's usual. But you have, but, <laughs> yeah. but he says it in a good-natured way, you know. It's, it's like he's, you could tell they're really good friends. He's not mean to Watson. Not mean, no. It's just, he just can't help himself to be... I mean, his deduct, powers of deduction were the finest ever. Um, but they do agree with Dr. Mortimer uh, that they, they will see if they should help out Sir Henry Baskerville, Richard Green, who's coming from Canada. Yeah, and I like the, the little flashback to the... Um, 19, uh, was it the 1600s, I think? Yes, uh, where we learn about the background of the Baskervilles and how they're haunted by this uh, hound of hell. And boy, the that original Baskerville was really a bad guy. No um, kidding. And, and if listeners want to see it in even more vivid detail, they should watch the 1959 version where the flashback is really, that guy is really yeah, violent. Yeah, for sure. A terrible person. I thought that in this version that they made uh, Mortimer, uh, Dr. Mortimer kind of a, grumpy guy sherlock holmes gives him his cane back and says here you you, you forgot this and he goes oh yes and, and then sherlock says well it, do you have a dog and he gets this look on his face like good night dr watson good night sir you've left your stick again oh thank you by the way dr mortimer you have a dog i have no dog then how do you account for these marks evidently the teeth marks of a dog i used to have a dog a small spaniel, but it died. Wow, he's so grumpy. Like, how's Sherlock <laughs> no. supposed to know that? <laughs> he was a bit. He had. He, he was very, very prickly. We might say. Yeah. But uh, Sherlock says to Watson uh, to kind of do a Cliff's Notes version that he should go up there and kind of watch out for things because Holmes is unable to go because of other commitments, and he tells Doctor Mortimer that. Watson just looks so pleased that he gets to be the one to go up there. I know, in charge. <laughs> it's like it's like you you know one of our dogs, Poppy. Yeah. When 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 she does something good, she just she does like a little circle around and she like jumps up on your leg and she gets so happy. And I just thought that was kind of like Watson when <laughs> when when Sherlock gave him all that responsibility. Oh. They do meet with uh, with Henry Baskerville before. Watson takes off yeah. with him, and and then there's the mystery of the missing shoe, and uh, that comes up later because it's not the right shoe. That's that's when we get the scene at the hotel where um, they decide that Watson should go up to the the ancestral estate of the Baskervilles up on the moor, <clears throat> and the Grimpen Mire. I love that name, the Grimpen Mire. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a, a depressing place. Oh, I loved it. It was so and, and, at atmospheric. Oh, yeah. It's just so cool. It's like, yeah, I love it. Be I think the moor in this story is like one of the main characters. Definitely. It's supposed to be haunted and spooky and atmospheric and scary. And it, it really is all those things in this version. The uh, It definitely is a character. And it's uh, it's well done. I mean, it looks really real. And it's not a place where you go f for a casual walk. Because you could fall in one of those bogs and never be seen again, as often happens. And why would you build a giant estate out there in the middle of the 
in the middle of the box and the when they're riding on the little uh carriage up to the to the estate and then mortimer says and if you look over here you can see that your ancestral home and it's it just looks so haunted and like desolate and and it's like, oh, great. That's where I get to live. Yay. <laughs> I'm going back to Canada. <laughs> Never mind. Well, you know, I think the original builder, and I think it was that evil, that evil relative, wanted to get away from everybody. And he found the perfect yeah. spot where he could just go up there and drink and party and raise cane. And I think you're right. It was terrible. Definitely. It was kind of like the end of the world was not far away. So they arrive, and uh, we, we don't hear from Sherlock for a while. There's about, I don't know, 20 minutes of the film? There's a pretty good At portion least, of the yeah. film that is really Dr. Watson and, and the uh, Baskervilles and Mortimer. And, and then one of those, the neighbor that wants to sue everybody. I mean, I would never invite that man I back. I think they brought dinner. him over just for, like, <laughs>, laughs, because he was so awful. And were it not a personal insult to Sir Henry, I would never come here this evening. Oh, but why, Mr. Franklin? As a stickler for convention. I'm not in the habit of breaking bread with my host on the eve of prosecuting him. <laughs> Great heavens, what crime have I committed now? A most gruesome one, Mr. Stapleton, that of body snatching. What? You're a body snatcher, sir. A ghoul, a despoiler of graves. Oh, come, come, Mr. Franklin. That's a very serious charge. A bell... Refill Mr. Franklin's glass, will you? Thank you, my dear. And an excellent vintage it is, too. But if you're implying that I'm tipsy, sir... Oh, of course he's not. Tell us more, Mr. Franklin. Whose body has Mr. Stapleton been snatching? According to my evidence, sir, Mr. Stapleton was seen digging among the old stone huts on the moor and removed from there a skull. <laughs> oh, that! <laughs> a most interesting relic, Sir Henry, of Neolithic man. I'll show it to you after dinner. Fifty thousand years old if it's a day. Nonetheless, sir, you removed it from the grave without the consent of the next of kin. And according to British law, that constitutes body snatching. Deny that if you can. He had that great Scottish accent, and no matter what you did... Was that Franklin, and it was Barlow... Borlin was the was the actor's name yes i like think Franklin. so i think so and his character in the original story there's like a whole subplot that they left out in the in the movie about this this woman and and this guy who was her father and uh her father was really abusive to her to the to the woman and uh baskerville and a couple other of the gentlemen in the area helped her escape from him the one thing I wanted to mention is that this movie kind of veers from the original story in certain ways. And it makes sense because it's a movie. Yeah, I think that if they'd kept some of the subplots in there, it would have been too long and it would have been too confusing. And there was another subplot here where we meet the um, Stapletons. We have Beryl Stapleton played by Wendy Berry and her brother-in-law, no, brother, stepbrother, stepbrother, John Stapleton played by Morton Lowry. And in the original story, they're married. I think that would have been a complication in the movie that just would have been confusing. And But I also wondered if you thought that might have been changed because of the code, like the um, the Hollywood code, and not not wanting to have this married couple involved in like this thing with Baskerville and trying to murder him. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. 
I absolutely think that whenever there were changes like this, the two that you mentioned, it's it's uh, the influence there is, is at least present. Because the scripts had to be reviewed by people in the production office, the production code office, the Hayes office, and they would they, they would go in and uh, basically censor things that they felt were out of conformity with the code. And and the, the original characters from the book that you just described, I think, would have met with their objections. And so I, I, I imagine when it was screen when the screenwriter and, and producers were putting it together, they just said, it's not worth going through that. Let's change it. I, I do think that that influenced hundreds and hundreds of films. Sometimes they didn't have to do anything, just the, the, you knew that they were there. I do kind of wish that they'd kept the, the Stapleton complication in there with them being married because it it added an interesting wrinkle to to Baskerville, say Henry Baskerville, falling in love with Beryl Stapleton. And the fact that she wasn't actually happy in that marriage and that she wanted to get out of that marriage. And I think um, it kind of, I don't know, it just made it more interesting. But I, I think cutting out the other story with this the, uh, the, the other woman and Franklin being her father, I, I didn't miss that at all. And actually, I think they could have just cut that character out of the story completely. Like he, I don't think he really added anything that, than just some levity. You know, it was like kind of a laugh that he was such a curmudgeon around the dinner table. Yeah, that was that was his role. I, I do think the Hayes office had the goal of having all films never be more than a PG thirteen in today's. So I, I, I do. I, I may be overreacting, but. They, they arrive at the castle and they meet Berryman, the butler, and his wife. And I just lost her name here. Well, it's just Mrs. Berryman, who's uh, played by uh, Ellie Malian. It wouldn't have surprised me if Bella Lagosa had stepped out and down the stairs. Oh, my God. He was yeah. the groundskeeper. And maybe in the <laughs> background, like, Dracula wow. would be hovering around as a bat or something. Gee, it's like, with, whoa. Uh, this is an aside, but Nancy and I watched a program on Discovery Plus just a couple of nights ago about the rainforest in Borneo. And there is an animal there, not a bat, but another animal that can fly over 100 yards. And when it spreads its wings to fly, I wish I could remember the name of the animal, it looks just like a character in a Dracula movie. It's amazing. <laughs> and, it's, and, they, and the one they filmed, it was like 100 yards it flew. Wow. Oh, wow. So anyway, that's cool. they're settling in and... and uh, Watson is trying to figure out what's going on with some of the things that happen. And there's someone out on the moor. We're not quite sure at this point who it is. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. There's that scene where they're, they, they, they catch Berryman uh, signaling this person out on the moor. And then they decide to go out. Uh, Watson and Baskerville decide to go out and check it out. And um, uh, it, it's it's... It's very suspenseful because you're you're already been led to know that it's dangerous to go out there, and neither one of them know the area at all. And uh, Baskerville gets all excited and wants to chase this guy, and and uh, Watson's like, "What are you crazy? Yeah. You don't know this area. We're gonna we're gonna die out here if you do that." <laughs> and then in the background, uh, another character is this wild howling beast that roams the moors, and who is it or what is it? Where did it come from? Is it a ghost? Is it a creature from another place? We get we get these little shots of uh, Watson writing letters back to to Sherlock, and uh, he says, "What is it? Is it a bird? Is it a is it is it the Hound?" <laughs> 
I have to comment on how beautiful his handwriting was. It was like, wow. I was like, nobody, nobody writes like that anymore, or not too many people, I should say. Those were the days when people were taught how to, how to really write in a certain style. They have a dinner where they all kind of sit around, and, and then afterwards they have a seance. And oh, yeah, that's... I think the, the seance was added to the film. There was, there was no seance in the original. I think this was during the time when seances were generally seen as like this really cool thing and like, oh, they, they had a seance, you know. And I know in a lot of old-time radio shows, they have seances. And I think they just added it in there for like a cool factor because it doesn't really add anything to the story. That was popular, though. We've done a couple of other films where the seance shows up, and and it really the curse of the De- curse of the demon is another one where they have it. They added that to the curse of the demon, and again, it didn't add anything to the story. It's like I kind of I kind of wish that they just cut out that. They they had that dinner, and then and then Franklin says something like, "Well, come over to my place, and I can give you dirt on everybody sitting around the table here." <laughs> And then they could have cut from that to the next scene, which was after the seance, we, we get a scene of Baskerville and Miss Stapleton out on a walk, and they're talking about... Hello. Hello, Beryl. Well, where should we go today? There's one place we haven't been, High Tor. Fine. That's where all the old ruins are. You know, Jack says that they're over 50,000 years old. That sounds interesting. And you can still see the remains of their stone huts. All right, good. Those flattish stones over there, they're graves. Oh, and those huge ones, monoliths, the remains of their temples. Doesn't anybody know who they were or what they looked like? <laughs> Jack has some theory about them. But anyway, they must have been very primitive, living on roots and dressing in skins. <laughs> but still laughing and dreaming, just as we do. <laughs> I wonder how many times some young savage brought his bride into this very hut. Said, take your hat off, darling, this is home. <laughs> You know, this is probably where she cooked his first meal for him. <laughs> what a yell he must have let out when she burnt it up. <laughs> and now they're quite forgotten. Just as we will be, too, one day. Do you suppose when a man met a girl that he liked, that he had to wait a respectably long time before he dared tell her? Or things like that. Sudden. Natural. I'd like to think that things were like that. Beryl... That's the way they are with me. Oh. Oh, but we've, we've only known each other such a little while. There, you see, convention, custom. We can't even be ourselves when we want to be. Why is that? You know, I used to come down here quite often and explore these old caves when Jack and I first came to live here. I didn't have the fear of the moor then. And you've none now. That's all gone. Oh. When I'm with you, it's gone. I seem to forget it, laughing and talking. But when I'm alone, it all comes back to me. And at night, I, I still wake up trembling, as if in my sleep I could hear those awful noises. Then it gets bad as ever, and I... Oh, I think of you, and I wish you weren't here. Oh, don't say that. Well, I wish you were in London or, or in Canada. But even if I wanted to go back to London or Canada, I couldn't. Why not? You know why. You must know why. I can't go anywhere now, unless you come with me. And then Watson shows up, and this old sort of, like, hobo guy... No, he's not. What's? How would you describe him? He's kind of just a wandering. Hey, he looked like a peddler, lost in the in the in the moors. Yeah, and he's trying to sell him a whistle. And he's really annoying. Would you mind uh, pausing for a minute? I'm afraid I've lost my way. Oh, hello, doctor. 
Sir Henry and I were just... We were... We were... We were getting engaged. Engaged? Splendid. May I congratulate you both? Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Who is that? It seems that we didn't pick a very secluded spot. What do you want? Just crossing the moor, sir. Just crossing the moor. I be... Uh, I be peddling my wares, sir. I, I must have something here. Would interest you, sir? How about a, how about a nice mouth organ, sir? No, thank you. Oh, here, here, here's something an old squire like you could use, sir. A fussel. A fussel for calling your sheepdog. Calling my what? Sheepdog, sir. A regular charmer, sir. <laughs> You're in for miles around, sir. <laughs> Take it away and yourself with it. I'll build some, some scent for the lady, sir. Oh, That'll please. do. Be off about your business. All right, all right, sir. I ain't doing no harm. I ain't doing no harm. You know, that's what I hate about this moor. There's always something strange. Look, he's limping on the other foot now. He comes in with a cane and he's limping on his like left leg and then he leaves and he's limping on his right leg and Watson says, look at he's limping on his other leg now. I was impressed though that Watson was learning those deductive powers that he would pick up on that. Holmes would have given him a good score on that one. And that's 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 true to form for the book because in the stories, Watson is an intelligent guy. I mean, he's a doctor. It's just that compared to, to, to Holmes, you know, it's like no, everybody seems kind of dumb compared to Holmes because yeah. he's, yeah. so, he's so smart. And every once in a while, Holmes reinforces that by what he does. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to let people Just to know. put him in their place a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so they, I think finally we it's revealed that clever Sherlock has been living in this cave. It looks like he's been in there for years. He's got all kinds of things set up. I love that scene where uh, we, we find out that the peddler was actually Holmes. Was it you who sent me that communication? I did, sir. Out with it. Whatever it is you want me to hear. I, I only want you to hear this zither, sir. Zither? He don't come no finer, sir. What blasted impertinence. Getting me out here to... Look here, my man. You're up to something. I, I only ask you to try him, sir. Be careful. This thing's loaded. Who are you? Well, I might ask the same of you, sir. Prowling around the moor, spying out on everybody. That's my business, to spy. Oh, what is, is it? Yes, and if you want to know who I am, I'll tell you. Who are ye? I'm Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes? The detective? Yes, and now perhaps you realize why I can't be hoodwinked. Oh, sir, 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 that changes everything. Now, who are you? Quick! Well, in that case, sir, my name must be Watson. <laughs> Holmes! How are you, my dear fellow? A fine detective you are, calling yourself Sherlock Holmes. So you've been down here on the moor all the time? That's a fine way to treat me, I must say. Send me down here. Let me think that you were in London, working on that blackmail case. Let me sit up half the night, writing those blasted reports. Serious reports, my dear. What's not very valuable they were, too. I made arrangements to have them forwarded on to me. A shabby trick, which I'll not forget. Ah, but a very necessary trick. If I'd come down here with you and Sir Henry, every movement of mine would have been watched. While in this way, only you and Sir Henry have been watched, and I've been free to work. That's all very well. 
but making a fool of me. Sit down, Watson. Do sit down. Perhaps a little supper will help you to get over your huff. Huff? I'm in no huff. Here, try some of these sardines. It's a pity I didn't know you were coming. I'd have provided a brace of pheasants. It's a pity you didn't think of bringing down that infernal violin of yours to regale me with some of your enchanting music. I did, my dear Watson. Anything to oblige. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's just such a great scene. <laughs> that is. Uh, they were so they were so well suited for each other in the in the uh, films. Stapleton he kept this huge, half-starved, vicious dog that he he had trained to be a killer, and that's the hound that's that's just raising Cain. It's it, it actually I think it was a Great Dane, and it was those scenes were terrible where he would get it out from that place that it lived it was awful oh there's like a little thing that happens where the berrymans are signaling that person out on the moor and we find out that that person is an escaped convict from the prison that's yeah not only are they living on this moor where you could die if you take the wrong step if you're out there but then like on the edge of the moor a few miles away is this prison and yeah so this is not like a, a, a great vacation place i'm thinking and I love the name. It wasn't the prison named Dartmoor. I think it's the so. The Dartmoor yeah. prison. Uh, Henry Baskerville has given uh, Mr. Berryman all of his old clothes because he had like a lot of extra stuff. And so, and then Berryman gave the convict his old clothes. And so now the convict is wearing Baskerville's old clothes, and the hound is trained mm-hmm. to smell, you know, Henry Baskerville's like scent, and the hound goes after the convict and kills him. Watson and Sherlock see that happen. Now they know that the, there is actually a hound. And and then it's just convenient after after the convict dies that uh, Stapleton shows up and says, well, I heard I heard the scream and I was just around the corner and yeah. I'm here, can I, can I help? You know, it's like, oh, well, that's convenient that you just happened to be there. I was thinking, you know, for a remote, desolate location, there's a lot going on. There's a prison, there's a homicidal maniac named Selden that's running around, there's this dog, demon dog, then there's the murdering Stapleton, and then the neighbor that wants to sue, sue everybody that lives there. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I would never live there, even if it's remote. And then into the middle of all that comes Henry Baskerville, and, and he meets uh, uh, yeah, Mrs. Miss, Miss Stapleton, Beryl, and... They just immediately fall in love. I was kind of laughing though. I thought maybe they, maybe if it hadn't been for them meeting in that particular location, that maybe they wouldn't have fallen in love like immediately. But they both looked at each other and says, "Oh, you look normal. You look normal. Let's let's get together." <laughs> and compared to the rest of this crew, <laughs> I tell you, the, Richard Green was one handsome dude and very, uh, in some ways, sort of naive about all that was going on around him. Had, yeah, a, a little bit. A, yeah. a note of a refreshing naivete. I like I like the scene when we first meet him on and he's coming off the ship, and those two women obviously have been like hanging around him yes. for the whole cruise across the Atlantic, and they're coming down. And they're like, 
well now you're you're gonna be sure to look in on us aren't you and 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 we'd love to come visit you out at, uh, at your ancestral home <laughs> <laughs> it's like certainly ladies yes yes of course and then he <laughs> kind of like rolls his eyes almost and 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 fortunately dr mortimer saves him but it's like you can just imagine there's like in that in that little 15 seconds you get the whole backstory of what his cruise was like from canada <laughs> or his whole life maybe he was such a handsome, suave devil. Well, and now he's got a lot of money because of him inheriting the estate. I had a thought for why they did a few things with the characters. Like, so, you know, if you've never if you've never read the story and, and you don't know who the bad guy is, um, it it it's kind of nice in a movie to have a through a few like herring bones. You know, like I think the reason they made Mortimer so grumpy is that you you, you could kind of think, well, maybe he's the murderer. I mean, he oh yes, you know, maybe he's the one that that murdered him. And then and then you and then I think the reason they included Franklin was like, well, maybe it was Franklin because he's always out. He wants to get everybody. Maybe there's something there. And the Berrymans. The Berrymans are super weird. Maybe it was them. So I think that they dialed it up a little bit for these characters uh, in the film just to kind of throw you off the scent. Um, but on the other hand, I also think that they didn't quite lay enough breadcrumbs to lead to Stapleton because they don't, up until the point where you see that Stapleton's been keeping the dog, you don't really know, you, you wouldn't really think, well, it's probably Stapleton, right? Like, I, I don't know that they don't... I just wish they'd done a couple of things a little earlier in the film to say, oh, maybe it's Stapleton. So yeah, Another red herring, as they used to say. Well, even when Holmes, he, he's looking around and he sees that painting of the ancestral guy that was so awful, and he immediately figures out that it looks like Stapleton in his face. Yeah. I, had tru yeah. I have trouble seeing that, but then, of course, I'm not Sherlock Holmes. In the story and in some of the film adaptations they they kind of get a tour like you know when they first get there and they're and they're going up the stairs and there are these paintings of like the the baskervilles going back to like the original baskerville and and then there's there's one missing like one of the paintings is missing and you're like well, that's weird why is a painting missing and then they find it later and it looks exactly like stapleton and then and then it's like oh okay stapleton like hid that painting so that you wouldn't think you wouldn't make that connection that it was was him so and, and in the 1959 film with peter cushing and christopher lee the painting is much more you can see a much more close resemblance between the painting and the bad guy i really like this movie and i think that's my only complaint is that they didn't quite lay the groundwork for it to be Stapleton. Um, I th it just felt a little bit like, oh, and it's Stapleton. <laughs> you know, it's like... Well, and then the, the uh, near the end, Stapleton uh, shoots and wounds Baskerville. Remember that? He, he yeah, did. yeah. And then he, he takes off, uh, he takes the gun and flees. And, of course, Sherlock turns to everyone and says, he won't get very far. I've posted constables along the road and the only other way is across the Grimpen Mire. And yeah, so is he gonna just die out there in the moor? Are they gonna catch him? Yeah, it's kind of it almost. It's like a, one of those endings where it could leave it open for a sequel, like he escapes and then comes back or something. But no sequel. And in some of the adaptations, he he uh, goes under in the uh, in the uh, moors. He gets trapped in one of those awful places. Yeah. 
or, or 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 killed by the dog too. There's, I think I saw one where he, the, he gets killed by his own dog. He wasn't too smart though because he did try to poison baskerville at the end remember that and yes. he says here drink this i know it'll have a kind of a bitter taste but it's good for you and then sherlock walks in and says yeah. knocks it out of his hands and well feeling better yes thanks i say that's uncomfortably close to your eye isn't it another one on this side huh? well 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 oh i'm terribly sorry that was clumsy of me it was only a bit of a tonic sir henry's lost considerable blood yes Henry! Henry! I'm all right, darling. Oh, oh, no, you're not. We heard those dreadful noises on the way home. It's a mercy he's alive. I owe you an apology, Sir Henry, for jeopardizing your life. Jeopardizing? But you saved my life. But there was no possible way for me to foretell the fog. And I must apologize, too, for deceiving you last night. When I told you that your troubles were over, I knew that they weren't. But if I hadn't cleared out, the crisis which came tonight would have been indefinitely postponed with the shadow of death hanging over you. And over you, too, Miss Stapleton. You knew this was going to happen? How could you know? The person who wanted to snuff out your life, Sir Henry, was the same one who plotted to kill your uncle. He wanted to get you both out of the way so that he could lay claim to this place, to the whole Baskerville estate. In tracing back his lineage, he discovered not only that he was the next of kin, but also learned of that old legend about the hound. So he brought the hound to life by the simple expedient of buying the most savage dog that he could find and hiding it here on the moor until he needed it. If he had succeeded tonight, the blame would have fallen on the legendary monster, and no possible suspicion would have been attached to him. A most ingenious device. And I'm quite sure that he would have had no difficulty in proving his claim to Baskerville Hall and all that goes with it. The most amazing instance of a throwback that I've ever seen. And you can see for yourself. Stapleton! One move and I'll shoot! Jack! You two, stay where you are. You're under arrest, Stapleton. For the murder of Sir Charles Baskerville, the murder of a convict, and the attempted murder of Sir Henry. You can't arrest me, Holmes. I won't move from any of you and I'll blast you all a kingdom come! So sorry, old boy. What's the matter, old man? What's the matter? That's our man. Stapleton, the murderer? He won't get very far. I've posted constables on both the roads, and the only other way is across the Grimpen Mire. And then, and then does his big reveal about the painting and the fact that it's Stapleton and, and all that. Um, but I, I don't know, like, if you poisoned him right there and everybody knew that it was you... You're not going to inherit the estate. You know, you're going to go to prison. I don't know. He just wasn't very smart there at and the end. And then at the very end, one of the lines from the film that I, the first couple times I saw it, I missed that. As Holmes leaves, he says to Watson, be sure to bring the needle. If you look oh, at the very end. I don't remember that. And that's the reference because he it, it, it has an addiction. Oh, oh my gosh. I don't remember seeing that. It's it's a, It's a very last... Very last line in the film. That officially closes the case, Sir Henry. And a very interesting case for your annals, Watson. An ordinary dog, an ingenious criminal. And a more ingenious detective. I owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude. Oh, we all do, Sir Henry. Mr. Holmes, we've admired you in the past, as does every Englishman. Your record as our greatest detective is known throughout the world. But this, seeing how you work, 
knowing that there is in England such a man as you gives us all a sense of safety and security. God bless you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you, Dr. Mortimer. Thank you. And now, if you don't mind, I've had rather a strenuous day. I, I think I'll turn in. Of course. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, Mr. Holmes. Good night. Oh, Watson, the needle. Wow, that's a deep that's a deep reference because I don't know how they got that through the Hayes office. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, he was addicted to heroin, right? I think. I think it was heroin. Yeah. This is that's it. Deep, eh? I'm surprised it's not mentioned in the write-ups that I've got in front of me here that that's the ending. It gets great reviews, I tell you. It's a really fun movie. It's so atmospheric. It's got comedy, it's got drama, it's a thriller. There's a little bit of horror in there. They did an awesome job with the Moor and the Grimpenmire. Uh, they, they they did a great job with the characters. There's a few things that we talked about that I think either could have just been cut or changed slightly, but uh, or added maybe. But I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I give it a an eight. I, I give it a nine just because it's it's so atmospheric and well done, and and uh, probably of the Holmes movies, my favorite. I could watch it over and over again. There's another version where the Stapleton character has has a the skin of a dog, and he wraps himself up in that in certain scenes. I, I don't know which of the films that's in. I, that might be the 1959 version. Well, and there's a version. I think it's the Tom Baker version, and I actually think it, I think this is in the original story too, where. Uh, he slathers the dog with, like, phosphorescent paint. Yes! That's in one of the... Yeah. Oh, I wish... Yeah, that's another thing I wish they'd done in this movie, where they could have made the the, the dog, like, glow. Because cause in that version, the dog sort of glows in the dark almost, and it looks so, it looks so like, ghoulish, and yeah. maybe it is a hound of hell. And I thought, wow, that would have been cool. That would have been super cool. Well, it's a good movie, and uh, we'd recommend it for anybody that hasn't has seen it or hasn't seen it. It's really really fun. And what's up next? They made another one with Twentieth Century Fox uh, or Twentieth Century was it Twentieth Century uh, at this time? Twentieth Century think Fox. It. I can't remember. Twentieth Century Fox. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and that that's where they he goes up against his arch nemesis um, Moriarty, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's not, in my opinion, it's not quite as good as this one. Um, but it's still very entertaining. It's a dandy for me because, uh, well, it came out in late, uh, later in 1939, so it was the same year as The Hound of the Baskervilles. But Ida Lupino is in it, a very, very young Ida Lupino, one of my yeah, favorite I, all-time. That's a highlight. Women who's who was on radio, TV, films, a director. Remember. We've done some. We had a f- festival of her films. Yeah, she directed two movies, and she wasn't really credited for either at the time. Um, there was the yeah. one about the pregnant girl, and then there was the one about the the escaped convict who on dangerous some ground, yeah, and, or kidnaps them. I think I can't. Remember. <clears throat> but on dangerous ground, yeah, it was both of those movies. So that's are excellent. coming up next. Yes, indeed. So that was our review of the Hound of the Baskervilles, and we we both. <laughs> you can tell we really liked it. Uh, coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt. And in Los Angeles, this is Bob wishing everybody happy movie watching. Oh, this is so fun. This I is love a doing favorite. this show with you. <laughs>